and welcome to the Fundamentals Podcast, the podcast that explores pop culture one conversation at a time. I am your host, Harley. On this episode, I'm joined by the co-host of the Lawmen Podcast, it's James Shakeshaft. James joins me for my returning episode from a brief hiatus with an absolute doozy of a topic, and that is, of course, the legendary film series that is Back to the Future. This is a series of films that I have hoped to cover on the podcast for quite some time. I even had the privilege of guesting on Ramblin, the Namblin podcast, many moons ago to talk about the first film. And ever since, I've been dying to talk about it with somebody on this podcast. Thankfully, James came to the rescue and we had an absolute blast talking about these films. In many ways, these films are pretty much synonymous with most people's childhoods. And that's really where we jump off in this podcast. We do, of course, talk about each film in detail, including our favourite moments, favourite characters, and so on. It really is a delightful conversation, and I could not think of a better one to return with. Make sure that you stay for the end of the episode, though, because there are quite a few announcements that I have regarding guest spots that I was privileged enough to do over the course of my break. Right, that's enough from me. Let's just get on with it. This is Back to the Future with James Shakeshaft. Hello, James, and welcome to the Fundamentals Podcast. Hey, Harley, how are you? I'm very well, sir. I am sweltering away in this spare room. Yes, <laughs> me too. Um, I want to ask, are you standing for this podcast? I am standing, yes. You are. Nice. I think you're the first guest I've ever had that stood for a podcast, so this is this is exciting. I, it's, it's more because I can't find a, um, a, like a seat set up. In uh-huh. this cu- in this particular cupboard that I'm shouting into, because I okay. don't know about you, but for like <laughs> um, buffering, I find it yeah. best to shout into like your towels cupboard, or, or right. in this case, duvets um, and extra rugs. Mm-hmm. Of which, at the moment, given the heat, all rugs are extra rugs. Yes, yeah, I, I find that as well. The spare room seems to work. I've got just stuff on the walls, the carpet. There's a spare bed in here, as you can see. Like that seems to offer the padding. The natural baffling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I I often, when I record our podcast, I kind of, I do uh, in the other cupboard that I shout into um, that I can't (laughs) at the moment because that's in my kid's room. um, I sort of, I sort of kneel down on the floor, but my legs go very, very dead. And it's a real danger getting down the stairs afterwards. I bet. I bet. I mean, I, your episodes typically, what are they, sort of half hour to an hour? So you're doing that every time? Yes. Yeah. And it, and we, I, we're we real, real sticklers for edits. So they're actually, mm. uh, what was it? The one that just came out was about 36 minutes long and it was mm-hmm. uh, a 55 minute record. Oh my goodness. So, and there was only, and only about 12 minutes of like bonus sort of offcuts of like things that didn't really go anywhere or detracted from the episode and then there's 10 minutes gotcha. of me going um and 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 complaining about having numb legs <laughs> well understandably so i feel like you might need to invest in a stairlift or something then for for future episodes Ooh. oh well just a whole spin-off podcast you yeah know, tales from the stairlift yes absolutely absolutely yes. yeah and, and it gets sponsored by like- stenner Yes, and you just do like little two-minute 
increments. Yeah, just, it's four people to yeah. listen to on a stair lift. Right, okay. Yeah. You, you're not going to broadcast this, right? We're going <laughs> to... I can cut this out if you want. That's We'll fine. send this straight to the Dragon's Den podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Or Shark yeah. Tank for uh, your American listeners. Yes, yeah. No, I'm, I mean, if you've got Stephen Bartlett these days, he's big in the podcasting world. I'm sure he could see the potential of this. Absolutely. Him. Yeah. Yeah, bite-sized podcast for the Stenner generation. Mm-hmm. Steneration. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that's what you call it. Steneration. Steneration. Oh, good. Lord, this is first class. I know. This is this is how I make my money in podcasting, not doing obscure interviews about pop culture. This, this is how I get it. Exactly. I get the stairlift market. Yeah. <laughs> I do have the window open though, um, and That's I just all right. heard a crow is trying to get in on this. Uh, do you want me to shut it? You, you do whatever makes you feel good. That's absolutely fine by me. I do have noise suppressant stuff on here, so if if it makes okay. any odds, that's fine. Um, I might keep it open for the warmth, unless a, an, an actual heavy machinery comes past. We should be good. Fair enough. Fair enough. Speaking of heavy machinery, oh, go on. as a segue, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> We're here to talk about. One of the most, I think, the most iconic bits of heavy machinery to ever grace cinema. Yes. In the form of the DeLorean. And that's because you're here to talk about Back to the Future, as I'm sure people are aware from the title. So, James, I would love to just throw it over to you to kick off this conversation. I will shut that crow. You're going to shut that? Absolute. You're going to cut this. Butthead. (laughs) (laughs) It might be a raven. I don't know. It's annoying. It, it's okay. I'm going to jump back in the DeLorean now, and mm. we're going to try that again. So. Nice. Oh, what? But you did your segue. I thought if you're going to do a segue, why not do it in style? Or I might try and edit it together. We'll see. Anyway, mm. so we're, we're here to talk about Back to the Future, which is an amazing topic. It's something that um, it's. Not, I know it's very close to my heart. I had the privilege of guesting on an episode of Rambling and Ambling podcast with Josh and Andy, the wonderful guys over there, talking about the first film. So this is something I'm really passionate about myself, and I'd love to hear your perspective, James. I'm just going to throw it over to you. What was your introduction to Back to the Future? Oh, well, I don't think I can ever remember having not seen Back to the Future, so I sort of mm. can't remember seeing it for the first time. I know that I didn't see it at the cinema. Mm-hmm. I know I saw it on VHS. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's just... I've just always known it, I guess. The first one. Yeah. I remember going to the cinema to see the second one and third. Right, um, okay. But yeah, it was uh it was it's just always been there. But yeah, absolutely love it. Like the I remember as a kid I'd would ask hairdressers to cut my hair in the style of Marty McFly. <laughs> and it's a very there isn't really that much to it, but I was I was never satisfied. That's incredible. I'm just looking at the picture now just to kind of jog my memory i kind of know what you mean i mean it's a good set of hair on michael j fox yeah mine's mine's too wavy though i was i remember getting sold like relaxant hair relaxers and stuff like that to try and make it straighter because i was always annoyed because i mean this is the mid 80s all we had Mm -hmm. was wet look gel we didn't have your matte clays or your putties (laughs) no 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 such luck um, Amazing. So, so did you end up sort of looking a bit more like his dad then in a lot of that? And those yeah. Attempts? Yeah. And mm. I, I had a conversation once with my wife, who's also a massive Back to the Future fan, where um, it, I was talking about how, like, going to fancy dress parties, I'd sort of mm-hmm. re-aged out 
of Marty McFly. And I was like, I can't really go as Marty McFly anymore. I've got to go as the doc. And she was like, no, you can go as old Marty McFly with his broken <laughs> dreams. Ah, thanks, my wife. <laughs> mm. But that's Back to the Future 2, which we're, we're not getting on to yet. We're just solely Back to the Future 1 for now. We'll get to that, yeah. I could talk to, to a lesser extent, 3, and to a much lesser extent, the cartoon series. Oh, we can do all of that. That's totally fine. But yeah, I mean, sticking with the first one, I mean, yeah, you just you get the puffer jacket and mm. like you said, you know, that that's pretty iconic in itself, I feel. It's such a good look. Um, mm. The little badge and everything. I've even gone so far as to source that little badge, Art is Revolution, that he wears on his denim jacket in the first one. Oh, I love that. That's a nice little yeah. detail. Yeah. No, that's cool. I've just noticed it, actually, now you've mentioned it. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Too deep. That's not too deep. But listen, we can mm. go deep. I can... I can talk about all sorts of silly details I picked up on our the rewatch I did ages ago, but yeah, I mean it's it is one of those films that something we're already touching on is the iconography, right? Mm. I think it's something that just it comes up in the various film topics I've done on this podcast, where they're ones that just are instantly recognizable for a number of reasons, and costumes a great one to start with, like yeah. you said. Like, if you can get a set of characters where you see a puffer jacket and a white lab coat and you immediately go, oh, yeah, Back to the Future. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's pretty good going. Yeah, and it is, I mean, I, people don't seem to question it, but it's, it is a bit of yeah. an odd relationship, this. The, the doc, <laughs> in a filmed world, is in, yes. maybe a, in maybe a children's book or like a uh -huh. cartoon series. But this is, it is quite a real, I mean, obviously it's a film about time travel, but yes. it does have quite a realistic look to it. Yes. And I it, have a theory oh, go on. as to why this is. And I want to know what yours, do you have one yourself as to why they're friends or? Uh, no, I know, I think the thing is I know too much about the early drafts of the script. So I kind of okay. know it from that, which is a very seedy reason, which, um, do, you, okay. do you know the... Go on. So in an early, in one of the, uh, so one of the great, the, one of the reasons that Back to the Future is such a good film, so tightly mm -hmm. scripted, everything references back to itself, which is perfect in a time travel film. Mm -hmm. I think there's, there's like one moment that seems incongruous when uh, George McFly is overslept. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, we're assuming that everyone's seen the film, right? I don't need to explain oh, what yeah. happens. Right, okay. So there's that bit where George McFly's overslept, and we don't quite understand why, and that's because there's a slight... They cut a scene where Marty McFly chloroformed him after doing the whole I'm Darth Vader from Vulcan bit. Yes. And yeah, then that's right. George McFly mentions that he overslept, which doesn't is what is what, sort of one out-of-place line in a film where everything else is, as I say, linked to everything. Um mm -hmm. And the reason it is so well written is because it was it was it basically kept getting knocked back. Um, Bob Gale and mm -hmm. Robert Zemeckis wrote it together, and I've just like on IMDb says that it was it was rejected forty four times. And the mm. the reason Martin McFly has older siblings is because they had to age up the family, and he started off as the older child and sort of moved down as the the rejections carried on and the years carried on. But they wanted to set it in the fifties. Yeah, and have the kids be that age. Um, so, so the film is just so tightly written. Um, but one of the uh, the the great thing about that is means that you have loads of early versions of the script. So the famous one that everyone knows, presumably, is that the time machine was originally a fridge, yep. and that was blown up by a nuclear bomb, which they well not ripped off because I think they 
you know, Spielberg and Zemeckis yeah. are good working collaborators. I imagine they gifted the idea mm. of someone being in a fridge when a nuclear bomb goes off to them mm-hmm. in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Um, I'm, I'm really glad they paid that off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it didn't even travel through time. No, oh, man. He, just, he just traveled into a terrible movie. But less yeah. said about that, the better. <laughs> yes. Should have, they should just open the door. Just a bag of bones would have just yeah. like, slopped out in a, in yeah. a, and a hat rolled away. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so in... Uh. In an earlier incarnation of the script, um, one of the reasons Marty McFly has a video camera is because he is a video pirater and he uses the doc's equipment to pirate videos, specifically Blueies. I'm not talking about the current children's cartoon. I mean um, top shelf (laughs) items. Oh, my goodness. Does that even work in the age of no video shops? Things being on the top shelf of the internet. Do yeah. you have, does the internet have a top shelf? I, I, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I think it's, it's probably going to be lost on a lot of people yeah. <laughs> listening of a certain generation, but yeah. Yeah, uh, rude movies. Yes. Skin flicks, yes. I believe, mm-hmm. uh, is uh, is a era-appropriate term. Yeah, so that was why, mm-hmm. and that was kind of why that sort of explained their relationship was that, ah. uh, and I guess the guitar thing at the start is kind of a nod to that, that he's using the, Doc's technology, but what? Yeah, what's your theory? I'd love to well, hear. Mine is far, far, far less CD, and it Good. really it all leans on the guitar because uh, um, this is my area of expertise. You see, right? And yeah, he um, you can't see it, but obviously, but to the left, I've got like six guitars just lined up in a rack. So I'm a bit of a nerd in this department. Nice. And he's playing in that intro bit. This little weird looking guitar. I remember looking at it going, I've seen that before. Where have I seen it? And when I went on Andy and Josh's podcast, I looked it up. Mm. And I believe it was called the Hofner at the time. And it was basically one of these, in that era, it was like a custom build mm. that is luthier out in the States. I want to say Texas. I think he made them for like a handful of musicians. Wait, Wait. Stop, stop the podcast. podcast. The, the host is wrong. wrong. Hello, and welcome to another section of Correction Corner, the section of the podcast where I, future Harley, have to address the errors of past Harley. I apologise for the inconvenience. The whole reason I stopped the podcast to address this particular issue is because, frankly, it is unacceptable that I, as a guitar player and a lover of all things guitar, got this so very wrong. Well, not very wrong, but anyway, it's beside the point. So, the guitar in question is known as the Jaquita, and was created by the luthier Mark Erlwine. Mark is now in Austin, Texas, but technically when he started, he was based out in Michigan. So sorry about that. Mainly the point that I'm getting at and the whole reason that I stopped the podcast for this moment is because I wanted to just give the man his due credit and just double check the name of the guitar and of course where he was based. He did, in fact, go on to work with a number of successful artists, as I mentioned, including Bob Dylan, Sting, Andy Summers, Mark Knopfler, Bruce Springsteen, and so on. So I wasn't completely off there either. Anyway, that's enough from me. Let's just get back to the episode. So I thought, I was like, that's an odd prop to have in this movie. And I thought with that and the giant speaker, Mm. my fan theory was that Doc Brown is just a genius, right? He's like an engineer. He's a scientist. He can just build whatever. He built a time machine, obviously. So giant speakers and guitars. Yeah, no worries. So my my fan theory is 
he maybe just moonlights as like an audio engineer for bands that pass through town. And someone like Marty one, McFly... Two, one, two. Exactly. Exactly. You can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, Marty McFly is is a wannabe rock star kid, you know, mm. because the very next scene that follows him blowing up the speaker is him at an audition with an Ibanez guitar doing stupid dive bombs and being just too darn loud, you know. Uh, and and obviously the famous bit about that, the judge mm-hmm. is Huey Lewis of Huey Lewis and the News who did exactly. the soundtrack. Just too yeah. darn loud. Yeah, they re- the Pinheads really, which is the name of the band. Yes, um, they really. <laughs> I don't think he's earned that solo. I don't know no. much about music, but I feel that you have to do a little bit of groundwork before you get into a guitar solo. It, it's very Jack Black at the beginning of School of Rock. It's that kind of energy mm. where it's like, oh, you're just showing off. But mm. but that's my point is he's clearly a wannabe rock star kid. And if I knew, you know, if 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 I was that, I was that kid at that age. Mm. And if I knew some scientist in town who was building custom guitars and giant speakers for passing musicians i would go and hang out with that dude and want to see what he's doing so that's my wholesome fan theory but yeah it sounds like yours might hold a little bit more water but i think you're right i think that is the sort of the the evolution of it so in right they obviously excised all the stuff about being a pirate um yes a video pirate um um and then yeah that became the the that's because that is how he's introduced going in there to have a go on the big speaker. Mm. Um, but it's, okay. it's, it does literally blow up in his face. Is that tied to the fact that his dad's a bit of a peeping Tom in the past then? Is that sort of meant to be Ooh, another thread that they were going to like that. pay off? No, I don't know. I think I feel that peeping Tom thing is perhaps almost sort of just played for laughs and is maybe, but yeah, maybe it's a good point because, you know, because his, his mum's also a little bit. A frisky and like you know that's also a, a sort of joke in the film as they're in the beginning right they're quite prudish and yeah sort of dull and then he meets them in the past it's like oh you're just a horny teenager a like me yes. yeah yeah and uh yeah she claims that she never called a boy or chased a boy or sat in a yeah. parked car with a boy mm-hmm. whereas yeah she's drinking and smoking uh by the end um just a, a little uh, trivia nerd trivia thing that I'm sure everyone knows as well. One of the mm-hmm. um, one of the dials on the big speaker is is uh, labelled CRM one one nine, or okay. or is it one one eight? Let's have a look. CRM one one. Is it one one four? Let me just cue the Google jingle. Oh, what's his name? It's time. It's CRM114. <laughs> okay, there we which go. Which is go. a nod to Stanley Kubrick. It is a code oh. that crops up in loads of Kubrick films. So in the um in Doctor Strangelove, mm-hmm. um uh the Is it on the bomb? I think it's the code machine that they have to use to to sort of decode the bo- launch the bomb orders on the aeroplane. Ah. Is the CRM114. It I can't remember which it does crop up in other films as well, and in A Clockwork Orange, it's become that much mm-hmm. of a trope that uh, one of the one of the things that's given to Alex when he's getting his sort of um, brainwashing is Serum One One Four, which I think is an uh... exquisite pun. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Serum One One Four. Yeah, lovely stuff. Nice work, Kubrick. That is, that is, and that makes sense, you know, given like you said. Um... Uh, what's it called? 
Spielberg, sorry, and Zemeckis, all the sort of pals, and you know, he was famously a huge fan of Stanley Kubrick and an admirer of his work. So, and got to make Kubrick's AI, basically, didn't he? He did, yeah. So it kind of makes sense that he would chuck that in there as well as a little nod to his his uh, his buddy. Love that, absolutely love that. I am insufferable to watch this film with. Oh no, <laughs> you, you are speaking my language, James. This is what I'm like with so many movies. Similar to this, you know, my wife, bless her heart, has to sit down and watch a film with me that I am deeply passionate about. I'm always going, did you know? Did you know? Did you know? She's like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Just let me watch the film. I'm like, but it's so cool. And and this is part of, again, the thing, the iconography and what comes with this kind of movie, right? When Mm. something like this is, as you say, not only a really tightly written film, really well executed, it just lands and it just has this massive pop culture impact. And... It's something that, again, I feel like is indicative of all of the films I've talked about so far on this podcast, where the stuff behind the scenes is just as interesting mm. as the film itself. And um, yeah, I don't know about you. This kind of leads it into a theory, and I want to get your, your thoughts on this. I've had, I feel like some of the best films, just period, are often ones that have to overcome adversity. Like this, Jaws, mm. Jurassic Park, you know, all mm. stuff, The Matrix, the films I've all talked about. They, 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 all of them have these like horror stories behind the scenes of people having to rewrite things or things shutting down and not working, actors just being generally difficult and having yeah. their own issues. And But out of that struggle, there seems to come something that is just brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, well, there's the old sort of hackneyed phrase that necessity is the mother of invention, which right. I think does hold true because you have to think of a clever way to get around stuff there hasn't yes i i mean anyone well i don't know i mean just sort of strictly staying within the world of films Mm -hmm. when and this is a genuine question when has a director been given absolutely free reign to Mm. and unlimited budget and everything and and they've made a really good film they made there's probably there's films that have been like mm. very nice and mm. like very well put together, but it, as you say, yeah, it's like like the shark not working, the the mechanical mm. shark not working in Jaws meant that they couldn't show it so much, so it became way more suspenseful than if you mm. had the ability to show a shark the whole time. Um, I think, I mean, Kubrick though, I suppose, mm. is the antithesis to this although i don't really like eyes wide shut but obviously by the time okay. um the shining comes along he is you know he's allowed to basically do what he wants and yeah i would say there's not apart from well i suppose in that one there there wasn't the um oh, this is that is terrible grammar uh the the okay. <laughs> the, the, uh, the cgi wasn't there to um because in the book, it's all about the um, the there's like foliage animals, hedgerow animals that come to life, okay. and because that wasn't possible, they he sort of swapped that out for the maze section at the end, okay. which is a great great bit of the film. I think in the book, like Jack Torrance gets eaten by a bush. Yeah, I think you're right. It is so. Yeah, the, um, well, the the um, the making of this film was incredibly difficult because I think mm. um, every everyone involved in it has always said that um, uh, that uh, oh god, absolutely blanking on my favourite guy's name. That's all right. We'll figure this out. 
Oh, it's the, just the guy that played the lead in the film. Oh, well, um, Michael, Michael J. J. Fox. There you of go. course. That's fine. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like everyone said that Michael J. Fox was the first choice for the role of Marty, but right. he was making the sitcom Family Ties mm-hmm. uh, at mm-hmm. the same time. And he wasn't he wouldn't be released from it so they they filmed the film with Eric Stoltz as Marty McFly yes i haven't seen the flash but i believe spoiler there's a joke about that in that i think there is yeah the um have you seen any of the footage of eric stoltz in in the role like there's some b roll yes. and stuff out there uh, because i've seen the film <laughs> uh, yeah that's that is that this is why i'm horrible to to just interact with, let alone watch the film with. Yeah, there's a <laughs> shot that funny. is still Eric Stoltz in the film. They filmed like That's two right. thirds of the film. Mm. Um, so all the reversals, all the reverse shots um, yeah. of Marty McFly would have had Eric Stoltz in them. Mm-hmm. And there is one shot in the diner where you're looking over the shoulder. At, I, I can't remember if it's Biff or George. But it's like clearly not Marty McFly. It, it's clear. It was well, so synonymous with it. It's clearly yeah. not Michael J. Fox. Right. Um, it's. I haven't actually seen much video of it though. I, okay. I. I had a book when I was a kid, like the book of the trilogy, which had like two pictures of him in it, and it was like absolute gold dust to see that. But mm. I imagine, yeah, I could just Google it really if I wanted. <laughs> yeah. No, you could, and it's well worth doing. Uh, especially mm. on YouTube, and you can find a couple of scenes. It, it it's just quite apparent when you watch the mm. film that you go, oh yeah, this just this is missing something. This is yeah, the chemistry's not right. The, the sort of humor has he? No, he's he's very straight with it, and it mm. sort of it lacks the charisma that I think they were looking for with Michael J. Fox in the role. But also, it's worth sort of remembering then mm. that in all the scenes, those uh, the other actors are basically. And unless it's a two shot, mm-hmm. they are acting with Eric Stoltz. Well, that's it because they filmed a vast majority of it, right? And then they had to switch him out. I think it was it was two sixty six percent or something yeah. is the sort of quoted amount mm-hmm. that they got through. And then um, they showed obviously the story is that they showed it to the the producers and they were like, "This is why we want Michael J. Fox." So, mm. and then the story is Michael J. Fox was shooting the sitcom in the day. Yep. Then he get picked up by a car and driven to Universal, and he would sleep in the car. Yep get up, film Back to the Future in the night, and then back in the car, driven home, sleep then. And that was that was when he slept, was those two two little instances. Yeah, which um, I think is probably why he did a lot of the, the nighttime stuff first, right? They sort of got all yeah. of that out of the way. Yeah. Um, which is kind of crazy, isn't it? When you think about it, again, that story alone is just like, wow, the commitment from everybody mm. involved to make that happen. Yeah, you know, you think now and nowadays got something good. Well, that, well. well, that's the thing, right? Yeah, now nowadays you hear about that if you're plugged into the sort of film world, you hear about people's casting obligations, and you know, oh, I can't do this, so they just don't bother. They recast, and mm. for someone to make that sacrifice, and as you say, the end result to actually be worth it as well mm. in itself is also a bit of a miracle. Mm. Uh, one of my favorite, not my, I mean, they're all my favorite bit of <laughs> trivia, but. Um, is I suppose related to that, it sort of it 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 shows how the producers didn't really get the film. Mm-hmm. There was the head of Universal Pictures suggested he didn't like the title Back to the Future, and he wanted mm-hmm. it to be called Spaceman from Pluto. Yep, <laughs> and the, the I think this might have I think something like this happened on a Friday to and. Uh, Robert Zemecki sort of received this memo and was like, what? This is like yep. the 
silliest thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. This is this is really bad. Yeah. Uh, and he spoke to Spielberg about it, and Spielberg came back with that. I mean, this is the best response, and I want to have an opportunity to do this in my life. Um, he wrote a memo back to the head of Universal Pictures saying, mm. I love the Spaceman from Pluto joke. It was really funny. Everyone yeah. got a real kick out of it. Yeah. And that is, and that the guy's, you know, back down, but everyone saved face. It's face. It's lovely. Yeah. It, it is one of my absolute favorites. And I'm just trying to remember the name of the producer on that one because uh, Sid Scheinberg. That's it. Sidney Scheinberg. I know it's referenced on Do Go On a lot. Um, yeah. He, yeah, a man who, if you sort of hear more about him popping up in in stories across the eighties of having all sorts of wild ideas, um, oh really? Yeah, and that was one of them apparently. And like you said, it's I love that story as well. Just the absolute, just straight laced way that Spielberg just sent that back to be like, oh mm. yeah, good joke. And then like you said, everybody safe it. Brilliant, absolutely mm. brilliant. Um, Lovely. And the fact that they played it off in the movie as well, that they even were like, we're going to put that in. You know, we're gonna. Yeah, that's the name of the book. That's isn't the name it? of the book uh, that yeah. George McFly's written. Um, yeah, yeah. Just a little bit it's, of uh, no. of just sort of like a gentle poking and having fun and going, "Hey, remember that?" <laughs> but also, you could be like, "Hey, we thought it was a great name." <laughs> yeah, so we yeah. put it in the film. Yeah, exactly. Such a good name. Didn't want to waste it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call it Back to the Future Two: Colon The Spaceman from Pluto. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I love it, man. I love it. Um, speaking. I mean, speaking of the cast. I'd love to mm. chat a bit about the other half of the duo that just make this oh. Christopher Lloyd. I mean, yes, just you know, like you said, Marty McFly, Michael J. Fox, synonymous. Christopher Lloyd, Doc Brown, synonymous. Absolutely, yes. How old was he though when he made this? Though this is, is this one of this is the question? It's, I'm not sure if it's gonna. It's one of them ones where it's like, is he gonna be like twenties? It's like, oh god. No. Um, so he was born. So it would have been shot in 83. He was born in 38. Yes. So what's that? Something to five. 45. Okay. 45. I mean. 45. He's got quite a wizened face anyway, hasn't he? He's he got a, does. He's got, he's got inherent wrinkles. Yes. That's true. And he doesn't seem to have aged really sort of since that movie no. oddly no even in andor do you see him in that oh yeah he popped up in i think it was mandalorian he popped mandalorian, up. yeah that's sorry, fine no because yeah. he popped up and i nearly jumped out of my seat just out of excitement because mm. i just love seeing <laughs> him in things and um yeah even then i was like you look like you've aged maybe five years at the most yeah yeah <laughs> it's like that's been like 40 it's just kind of wild but i love that he's still going and i love that you you, you know that he was given roles like that just purely off the back of the success of this film, right? Mm, like he is, yeah. he is a great actor. There's, there's no taking that away from him. But yeah, this but, absolutely. Yeah. Well, he was in Taxi, and I suppose it's, it's yeah, always hard true. to tell yeah. with, um, especially like American sitcoms of that time, mm-hmm. kind of what their. I guess it's always going to be the way. Like for some reason, films can be timeless, but sitcoms are very much of their time. So like. Mm. The fact that Cheers was the biggest thing in the world is really weird because yeah. I've maybe seen a couple of episodes, but I've never really sat through one. Yeah. And I guess that'll be the same for people like looking at Friends or, um, you know, Seinfeld and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, 
Oh, they, like they were the biggest thing in the world. We we talk about this quite a lot. I've done a few um, episodes you did on the sitcom, sitcom summer, didn't you? Yeah, and I've got a few more coming up. There's a little bit of sizzle for people, Ooh. and it's something that I'm always fascinated by with sitcoms is the power that they have, as you say, to just project somebody. Mm. You know, usually the main cast into just superstardom, and I think mm. it's the it's the uh, accessibility of it. It's something that I can't mm. remember who said it on one episode, but a, a guest commented and said, "You know, it's they're in your living room every day. Mm. It's comforting. Yeah. You get used to seeing them. You know, and then that's usually where they get more opportunities because they're just mm. constantly there. And I'm guessing that for like casting agents and stuff, it just almost plants the seed of like, oh yeah, you know that guy, you know uh, mm. Michael J. Fox. Yeah, he's on. Was it Family Ties or Family Matters or?" Yeah, good question. Isn't double it? check. It's a lovely question. It's, it's a family. It's a family I couldn't sitcom. even remember his name a minute ago. <laughs> uh, I would not look to me. We are going to check now. It's time to Google again. Family ties. There you go. So yeah. Family ties. So like you said, I've never seen an episode of Family Ties. Yeah. But it was evidently massive. Ev- it was big yeah. enough to almost mean that exactly. Michael J. Fox wasn't Marty McFly. Precisely, precisely. And as you say, it just has that power. And then you mm. get, so you get these two guys together in this movie. And then suddenly they're just everywhere, you know, because mm. it's so big and it's so huge. And it's something I love about the, the fact um, that both actors in this case also are grateful to this movie and to the roles. You know, like you never get the sense that they get sick and tired of it. You know, if people mm. ask them questions about it, they always yeah. seem happy to just be like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll answer it. Or yeah, you know, I'll come back and do a voice over for a video game or a, a universal ride or whatever, you know. Oh, like, yes. You know, they'll do stuff like that. And you kind of think, that's great. That clearly shows that they obviously had a good time doing it mm. in spite of all the struggle. And that I they just enjoyed working together. Christopher Lloyd was even in the ride. Right. Like, not okay. literally, like, <laughs> well, just, you know, taking tickets. Was he spending a summer just, yeah, <laughs> handing them out? um no he was um in the video i used to live in japan which and where i lived was near universal studios in japan nice the the theme park and my mate had a like an annual pass because it was yes we we were like literally like 20 minutes away on the train from it love that um so we used to go quite a lot Mm -hmm. and we were all big back to the future fans so we would go on that brilliant a lot and yeah the doc was in the in the video that you watch kind of while you're making your way around brilliant brilliant i love that and they had a delorean there and everything it's bloody minions now i went went back a couple of weeks ago it's all blooming minions oh dear such is life I think it'll happen to us all. We either, you either you either die a hero or you become uh, the minions. I was seconds away from saying that as well. So thank you for taking. <laughs> <laughs> Always puts me at ease when I'm on the same wavelength as a guest. It's brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, again, it's just it's the commitment to that I love, and just as a character, just so much fun, right? Like he's mm. this kind of foppish, over the top inventor yeah. like the first time you sort of properly meet him he's in a suit and he's sending his dog back in time and you're like what's mm. what's this what's going on and he i think you know he just throws yeah. you straight in there's no like pleasantries he just behaves like a manic scientist just like yeah hold this do this thing i'm doing this when you're like wait what's happening and you just yeah. you just have to keep up it's brilliant and i think the bit when um uh 
when when Marty asks him where he got the nuclear yeah uh, you know the nuclear stuff from the plutonium mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and his reaction on that just kind of it's just so lets you know yeah. that he is this crazy scientist but he's a little bit you know just the ah oh, man it's fantastic so um we showed this to our kids recently Brilliant. it was a very nerve-wracking day because mm-hmm. you know we really l- like love those kids, and it would have mm-hmm. been a shame to have turfed them out if they did not like Back to the Future. I mean, but it understandable would have to have been done. Yeah, um, but the, yeah, no, they loved it. But the other thing, <laughs> the other thing I was slightly worried about is how much they would realize. Basically, my personality is bits bits from Back to the Future. Okay, and like things that we say around the house are just bits from Back to the Future. So like, so what so give me a percentage then what are you sort of bits are you are we talking different characters or just moments um well I t- probably 66% um <laughs> uh, nice yeah just i just anything kind of thing that we say is like uh is just probably in some way a reference to back to the future okay okay um those are, those are good foundations, James. I think you're doing something right yeah. there. Yeah. Like, literally, whenever there's a thunderstorm, mm-hmm. I can't not say that it's a bolt of lightning. <laughs> I've Also, that is a absolute comedic genius bit in the film. When yeah. it's, it's the bit, you know, where you say, like, the thing that will bring them back, and Marty McFly realises they do know when a bolt of lightning will hit, and he says, the only thing that has that power is a bolt of lightning. Mm-hmm. And he says, well... Say that again, and he says it in exactly the same cadence. Yes. It is fantastic. <laughs> a bolt of lightning. It's great. It's so great. Um, and again, it leads to a bit of tension as well. It, it's so simple. I love that, that premise, that setup mm. as well, because it's something that I think is, is difficult to do, right, is to come up mm. with a good time travel film. Yes. Because as soon as yes. you introduce that concept... Yeah. You're just opening the floodgates for plot holes, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think they're well, they're reasonably they're reasonably tight to their own logic. That's the thing. As long as yes. your logic checks out and you remain true to that, mm-hmm. you can kind of get away with it. Yes. Like but I think there are a couple of well, there is one like absolute sort of metaphysical nightmare mm-hmm. um in this film, which is that well, it's the question. It's the question of when Marty. So when Martin McFly goes back and he's now got a much more idyllic life, mm-hmm. and you, I think the thing going back to why why the Doc and Marty are friends is a little bit because Marty's got quite a dysfunctional family, so mm-hmm. he would look to this father figure, yeah, to be kind of something, yeah, for him. And it's like in so in this idle world, idle. I, I don't know. Uh, Idle. Yeah. Anyway, in the nice, let's say nice. <laughs> let's say nice. Um, in the nice version, mm-hmm. he's obviously still friends with the doc because all everything plays out the same with the doc getting shot and everything, except he's got a bulletproof vest. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> but so why is that Marty McFly, Marty McFly friends with that doc? Mm. What pushed them together? I think I, I'm, I'm glad you've given me that guitar tech. Yeah. Um, theory because that makes things a lot nicer yeah the i suppose the 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 big the big sort of inherent darkness of the film is that marty mcfly 
ends up living with a family that he doesn't know. Yeah, it's kind of it, it's one of those. I mean, obviously, I'm going to mention it because it's very much a riff on, but the series Rick and Morty kind of like addresses. Have they? That's do they in, need, in a way. They, do you think they've seen? Back yeah, to I think they've a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit. But like, it's just there's something that I think like that's an element of this film that they address, like so many things. Mm. Um, quite early on in the first season, when like they destroy one of the universes and they just hop to another one where they both die and just take mm. their places, and then there's like a huge yeah. conversation around that of like, well, you're now living with a family that isn't your family, but they're also the same because we're in a multiverse, and it's like. That's kind of something that this touches on, isn't it? In this film, like you said, it's a really good point to think about of like, okay, they're still your siblings, they're still your parents, but they're not the people you know. Yeah. And it's like, um, yeah. Maybe it's, that's why the kids become, am I swearing or not swearing on this podcast? Preferably not. Jerks. There you go. <laughs> that's, the, that's the airplane edit. That is, yeah. Which would be quite a lot, actually, to be fair, in this first movie, because there's quite a lot of... Uh, swearing in the first film which is something you don't realize until you watch it outside of a tv edit which is quite yes, with a child <laughs> i was gonna say with, with your kids yeah oh like you just shouted yeah exactly um oh, sorry i just it's, that. Don't, don't worry about <laughs> it's reported it. swears i can get away with it um, No bleep you can bleep that if you want I, i'll find a fun way around it don't worry but it's it's a really interesting point though as you say that the film sort of i don't know it doesn't really need to address in a way, and it's, it's an element yeah. of the film that actually you've just triggered his memory. I remember discussing with Josh and Andy um, because essentially it's meant to be, according to some research they did, a more of a satirical element to the ending of the film that sort of Zemeckis yes. was trying to get in. And, and we had a really interesting chat about it at the time. And I remember sort of being like, I can kind of see it but I don't think it's strong enough to come across as intentional, if that makes sense. I think it's sort of one of those, if you didn't know that was there, you might mm. just think of it as what we're discussing, which is like, oh, that's a bit of an interesting niggle. Mm. What? So it was a satire on the sort of the American dream that yeah. he had, like the big car and all that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, that he comes back and basically they're all happy because they have money and they have success mm. and you know, because of fixing that one thing and not being such a loser when you're a teenager, mm. now you're a successful writer and you've got the big car. And like you said, yeah. it's all sort of very American dream. Mm. But I, but I think that's maybe that's the thing of satire, isn't it? Sometimes it can go over your head. That's kind of yeah. the point of it. Yeah. I, I have read, there's a BFI um, breakdown, a series of F, series of essays uh -huh. about Back to the Future, uh, which I got, which is... I think, and there is a lot of criticism to be had about it being very, it's, you know, the world seen through a, a white middle-class cis person's lens. And right. he, you know, like the idea that he invents rock and roll music and that he's yeah. Yeah. the reason that, uh, that, that um, Goldie Wilson, mm -hmm. um, believes in him believes in himself to become mayor yeah is because of, it, it as a black guy is because a white guy told him it was okay yeah so there i mean there's a there's a lot of stuff there and you can mm -hmm. sort of say well mm -hmm. that's because he's the lead in the film but it's like well he's the lead in the film he's a white cis guy because everyone mm -hmm. was in those days does that make it right mm -hmm. and the sort of idea that um the only worthwhile masculine person is someone who will you know in essence 
basically punch someone in the face right if they need to yeah yeah there's a lot of interesting discussion around around that mm. for sure i mean i i don't know i'd rather talk about how back to the future 2 is the greatest sequel oh we we no. can, we can get to that but i know what you mean. I mean the thing is i think it's it's always valid to hear those points of view on yeah. on any film right any i, d- I mean i definitely don't disagree with it mm. um it doesn't spoil the film for me but likewise um, yeah mm. it is when you look at it through that lens it is quite it is quite problematic. Mm. I, I was, it, I mean, I t- as a kid, it was like a funny joke yeah. because I didn't understand any of the implications right. of like yeah. the the fact that the guy's black and it's a white guy telling him that. It's like, oh, yeah. when you look at it like that, yeah, that's quite a good point. That is a bit mm. not cool. The rock and roll thing makes me laugh as well, mainly just as, as somebody who has been at many a concert and went mm. through that era of, I'm going to phone my friend. If you've ever done that at a gig, you know that nothing is getting through. All you're hearing yeah. is just static and noise. Even on a modern phone. Yeah. yeah like, it's your song. It's that song you love. It, yeah, exactly. So you imagine that Chuck Berry would have been on the other end of that phone and he just would have heard noise and just would have yeah. hung up immediately. Just invented Gabba. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, or dubstep, God forbid. But, you know, mm. there's stuff like that that, yeah, you can kind of hand wave it away. Um, a little fun tidbit on that on the whole guitar bit which being a nerd of this i find Mm -hmm. quite interesting and as far as like miming goes which is what he was doing for most of it Mm. it's not bad i've seen a lot worse uh looking Mm. looking at you crossroads um but you know uh there's a really fun youtube video just as a side note people should go and check out a guy called bradley hall is a really good uh youtube guitar player and he did a video basically called what was marty mcfly actually playing and he mm. he plays according to where um yeah. michael j fox's hands are on the guitar and it's quite fun to listen to it's very chaotic it's like every couple of seconds there's a little bit of the chuck berry song and there's just random notes <laughs> ah. it's quite fun to listen to and like fair play to him for sitting down and just working it out yeah i, I it's i don't know if it's been dis like um not discredited because that's t- that's too strong a word, mm. but I don't know if it's been um, uh, t- to prove to be false. But it's, it is always said that Michael J. Fox like learned to play the guitar to some extent, yeah, uh, yeah. in order to do that film, yeah. so that it would seem realistic um, or va- you know vaguely. And again, based on that video, you kind of hear it. It's just like, oh yeah, he's sort of in the right area. Mm. It's just he's obviously not a professional. And bear in mind what you just said mere minutes ago. The guy was filming this you know sleep deprived get literally rolling out of the back of a van hopping on stage and doing that i'm like you can forgive that yeah yeah you know it does it's not eddie munson in season four of uh stranger things but you know again you can forgive that (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean was there anything else you wanted to mention about the first film i mean i guess before we move on we should definitely bring up our antagonist right i think i think the oh if if these two are the duo, this guy's part of a trio, right? Like I feel like Tom, oh, Tom Wilson as Biff Tannen is yep. arguably just as much fun and just as synonymous, uh, synonymous yes. as and, the others. Uh, and Leah Thompson as well is oh, yeah. fantastic. Like that mm-hmm. what that thing about being afraid that my kids would see through my personality is, mm-hmm. you know, I will often be like. If if we you know if someone's talked about 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 being good looking, I will sigh and go. 
he's a dream. <laughs> yeah. Just in the just to myself, really. I don't who is he? Where does he live? I don't know, but I'm gonna find out. Yeah. Yeah, she's so good. She is. And then oh, I can't remember what she cropped up in the other day. I think it was an episode of Friends. It was like, what? Mm. What? Lorraine's in this. Yeah, Leah Thompson. She's had yeah, she still had like everyone in this, you know, has had a decent career afterwards, which is mm. always nice to see as well. You know, no one's yeah. necessarily tanking. Although I know Crispin Glover kind of Oh well that, you know, I think it's that's a that's a back to the future two chit chat. Yes, um, which we will but get yeah, to. Thomas F. Wilson. Mm-hmm. Have you seen you've seen the song? Everyone's seen the I've song. I've seen the song. The I probably will put it at the end of this episode because it's oh, yes, so good please. and it's so funny. It's yes, yeah, st- mm. stop asking the question. Just Yes. Yeah, I get what a talented guy. You look into his his career after this because he sort of yeah he's one of the ones that kind of disappears from acting from this, yeah. and you might think, oh, is that because maybe he had a bad time or he just didn't enjoy it? Blah blah blah. Yeah. No, he was quite happy with it. He just mm. wanted to be a writer and a and a comedian and just pursue other things. Mm. But yeah, yeah the fact that he did addresses he get into that it from stand up beforehand, I, th- I think so. Yeah, I mean, the, and the fact that he takes a minute to address that later on in his stand up career to be like, yeah. yes, I'm haunted by this movie, but is clearly yes. okay with it, and just like, yeah, just has a bit of fun. I absolutely, I will include it. It's a brilliant, brilliant bit of songwriting. Yes, brilliant. Yeah, uh, yeah. The um, make like a tree and get out of here is. <laughs> I just say Such that. Such a good quote. All the time. Butthead. <laughs> what are you looking at, butthead? And say hi to your mom for me. Yeah. Which is fine if you say it to your own kids. Yes. <laughs> it's weirdly fine. They're probably just confused more than anything. They just walk into the like, next why room. Is, is, why is, is that meant to be an American accent? Yeah. Dad said to say hi. I don't really understand yeah. it. Uh, that whole, the whole bit when he comes over with a car like, you didn't tell mm. me your car had a blind spot. Yeah, I had your car put, towed all the way over, and all you got for me is light beer. It's so good. <laughs> oh yeah, that was it. Um, you didn't tell me I had a blind spot. Look, I got I spilled beer all over my jacket. Yeah. Like just just that mm-hmm. those two lines mm-hmm. just tell you everything that happened there, and it's yeah. such good writing. It is, yeah. Again, it's like really good establishing just a great bully as well. Like not only is mm. he just dumb, but he's also he's quite physically imposing. Like, mm. and I, I love that one of my favorite bits is the first time Marnie McFly like squares up to him, and you can see he mm. takes a minute to be like, "Oh, hang on a second. <laughs> yeah, the, the the sort of the double extension yeah. when he stands up, and then he's got Strickland behind him. Yeah, and Strickland's brilliant as well. He is. I'd, mm-hmm. You know, what? I'd never seen Top Gun one as it's now called. I guess. Yes. Have you ever seen Top Gun one? Uh, I've seen most of it. Yeah. Well, the beginning. He's in that. When, to, yeah. when, to, when um, Tom Cruise, aka uh, Top Gun, I think his character name must be, yes, um, <laughs> does his does his naughty flying things. Yeah, the guy that balls him out is Strickland, basically just doing Strickland, yep. like the nose to nose shouting and everything. It's fa- it's yeah. it's yeah. so good. And I think mm. Top Gun was afterwards, so they obviously said just do Strickland again. It was great. Yeah, basically they're just like yeah. It's just- was it that way around? Do check. I'll have a look. Um, but yeah, I think it is like, it's basically, you're just that character, but you're a teacher. That's literally the only difference. I think yeah. the Top Gun was slightly after, actually. It was the year was after. Like, so he is he is doing Strickland. Mm. Which is just great. I mean, if it ain't broke, you know, don't fix it. Mm. Um, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. 
And again, I something I love about right mentioning all of these supporting characters is kind of how they keep coming back right in, mm. in various iterations, which leads us nicely into the sequel. So yes. yeah, I mean, an interesting one, right? Because the way this first film wraps up, mm. it's pretty perfect, right? Like yeah. it, everything has a satisfying moment. That much as I don't really condone violence, the smack in the face to Biff from Crispin Glover's. George McFly is it quite d- satisfying. It's a satisfying the way sound. it's done as well, yeah. And yes. it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everyone has their arc. Everyone grows, as you say. There's a little. There's that satirical element, I guess, to the ending. But the po- point is, it has a beginning, middle, and end. And like you say, for mm. a time travel film, it wraps up quite neatly. Everything threads mm. together. So much so that my understanding is they weren't even going to bother with a sequel, right? Because it was no, such that a- was a joke. That was a throwaway joke. Yeah, the, um, yeah. You know, you know, it's the your fact kids. That needs to take you back to the future. Yeah. It's your kids, we, Marty. Do we become jerks? Yeah. But that's the thing. And it, and but then it leads to quite an interesting sequel, right? I think. Mm-hmm. And this is James's big Back to the Future 2 theory. Go on. This is the greatest sequel ever. Fascinating. Go on, tell me more. Because and I think all the the good sequels do this. I mean, it is the, it's the Empire Strikes Back, or the Back to the Future verse. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you the first film again because what does everyone want from a sequel? Uh-huh. They want to see the first film again, but for the first time. Mm-hmm. And the way they do it in Back to the Future Two is they literally revisit the events of Back to the Future One mm-hmm. from a different angle. So you literally get the first film again. You get the beats from the first film. You get Biff getting hit in the face again. Mm-hmm. And my favourite bit part player in that whole thing, uh, the I think he took his wallet guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, again, is absolute genius. Hilarious. Yeah. That guy. Um, you've got, yeah, you've got all the ooh-la-la subplot going on and the fact mm-hmm. that, yeah, he needs to make the first film happen again. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's racing against time again to make the thing happen in the first film but then you've got the extra little bits of elements so you've got them going to the future to see you know that's the whole beginning of the film that's what gets you in Mm -hmm. and then you've got the the sort of the the baddies win kind of Mm. you know empire strikes back bit like the doc is gone how's martin gonna get out of this yeah I'm, I'm, I think two might actually be mm-hmm. almost more quoted because the mm-hmm. thing, like the and the little bit parts, like the guy with the the guy from um, the post office, uh, who's like this precise minute, we uh, yes, you know, yeah, <laughs> I've got something for you, yeah, <laughs> and he is, this and it's like we had a bed, yeah, we didn't think you'd be funny. here, and yeah. Yeah, we had, we had, a lot of us guys in the office had a bed. We didn't think you'd be here. Mm. Looks like I lost. Mm. <laughs> like, and he's the guy who didn't even think it was going to be there. And he's the guy that has to go out in the rain to yeah. go and do it. And he doesn't even think it's going to happen. It's so good. Mm. Um, it's, You get a little bit worse effects in this one because there are more special effects mm-hmm. in this one. But, yeah, I just, I just like, it, it brings together a lot more of like the questions that you ask about a science, uh, about a time travel film, Mm -hmm. you know, what happens when you meet yourself and it's like, yeah, they don't know. That's the thing. That's quite funny. Well, they don't know what's going to happen. It could be a cataclysmic thing that ends the entire universe. It turns out people just faint. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
which I think... Apart from the doc, because he yeah. just has a little sort of joke with himself. Exactly. Um, I, I think it just lends as well to that brilliant bit of, of casting you in the, in the fact that they then get to... I think they get to recast, don't they? I think one or two people. Well, yeah, the... Um... Um, Let's have gosh. a look. Uh, Elizabeth Shue takes over as Jennifer. That's right. Yeah. And well, here we go then. Mm. Crispin Glover. Yeah. Let's let's address the Crispin in the room. Um. He is fantastic <laughs> in the first film as George McFly as well. His acting yeah. in that is so good. He's he's really funny. Mm. The bit just to go back to the first film as well. One of the key moments I think mm-hmm. that makes this a better film than than the average is the bit when uh they're in they're they're in al's calf mm-hmm. and biff comes in and he's like hey mcfly i thought i told you not to come in here and both george and marty look up and turn yeah. around and then biff like turns on marty is like what are you looking at butthead mm. And George joins in with the bullies. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He does this horrible little weird sneery yeah. laugh. Yeah, which is a choice by the actor, and he's left in the film. And I think it's brilliant because, yeah. like, that's your own son that you're doing that to. It's such a mm. that's that's the sort of level of um, detail and mm. like it's got more to it than just you know some kids' film mm. about a guy about a kid getting off with his mum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is um, a whole lot of trauma, but let's nev- yes. never mind about that. <laughs> so, and then in two, yeah, so Kristen, Crispin Glover does not come back to play George McFly. And this right. led to a whole massive change in the plot. The original plot was going to be set in the 60s, and Lorraine was like, um, uh, like she was, she was a, quite a political feminist. And mm. there was this whole adventure that was set in that. But then George basically, pri- uh, George Crispin Glover priced himself out, I believe. I think so. Yeah. So he just asked for like a ridiculous sum of money, and they were they were never going to pay it, and he knew that. Mm. And uh, yeah, and so that he's replaced with a guy who was Jeffrey Wiseman. Yeah, but they've mm. discovered him playing Stan Laurel at a at like a Universal Studios park, it's amusement park or something. I believe so. So. And you see, because there is quite a lot of those mannerisms in the George McFly thing, mm. and then he's only really ever shown upside down. Yes, I think that's exactly right. Yeah, they picked him up from from a, a Universal show, which is mad. But as you yeah. say, yeah, and and it's kind of the clever workaround of you know, mm. oh, he's broken his back, so we're just going to hang him upside down and put a load of makeup yeah. on him, <laughs> and and then predict nine eleven. Yes. Which the is... 9-11 prediction conspiracy. Oh, so the, um, mm. car, the first film, the bit where the car drives around, is meant to be a JFK assassination reference, which I don't agree with. Okay. These are the, these are the weird bits of trivia that I don't agree with. Okay. Yes. Okay. There's a bit where um, when, when in Back to the Future 2, when old George McFly turns up, mm-hmm. they've got their um, like fake window showing views. And at one point it shows the Twin Towers and it glitches. Yeah. And like disappear. I think, or like it's on like a roll screen and they mm. zip it, you know, like, um, I don't know what the name of those things are, but those sort of things where you pull them and then they shoot. It's like a projector screen. The- yeah. Yes. Mm. It, that is literally what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> They zim that up while it's on the Twin Towers and the idea yeah. is that yeah, that's from right. his point of view, they would have gone down or something. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's BS. It's very interesting, yeah. It's, it's yeah, it's not. And oddly, I feel like it's something that Crispin Glover will probably be into, because if you know anything about yeah. him outside of these movies, he's a little odd. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll leave you, dear listener, to go and look that up. Yeah, um, that bit where he... Who's he trumped? Which late night talk show host does he almost kick in the face? Yeah, his massive heels. Literally, just just Google Crispin Glover interview and it will come up. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so it's a yeah. strange one. But that's he's definitely a one for me, one for you. Mm. Annoyingly, the first sequel he ended up doing was Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. Yes, Full Throttle. Yes, that's that's rather than Back to the Future Two. But that doesn't mean I mean, think Back to the Future Two is a great film. But mm-hmm. imagine if we'd have been able to have Crispin Glover in it as well. I mean, kind of. But then it's, again, it comes back to what you said earlier about the necessity, right? Mm. And the fact that not only did they had to quickly recast and sort of you know push him to one side he kind of becomes the driving force of the film, right? Because, you know, what happens after Marty McFly gets the the book, the almanac, and Biff ends up basically becoming Trump, is mm. he dies. You know, his dad's murdered, and that becomes yeah, a huge incentive to go back. It's, yeah. it's not just, oh, this is horrible and Biff's terrible, we want to defeat him. It's just written out kind of thing, and yeah. Poochie travels back to his home planet. It, exactly. Kind of it's properly yeah. a, a plot point. It is, but it works. It kind of works. Mm. You then have an emotional incentive for Marnie McFly to go back. It's not just this is terrible. It's mm. I've I've actively harmed someone I love by my actions, mm. and I need to go and fix it. Great incentive for any character, right? To to want to go back yeah. and correct the past. Yeah, works nicely. And I'm glad to hear you say this because it's a very interesting one, right? I feel like the discussion around this movie can get oddly controversial. So I'll, I'll shout out my friends over at Unequal Sequel, Dave and Rich. They have had this movie brought up a bunch of times and it's either in the best category or mm. the worst category. See, I remember at the time people had a problem. People, people thought it was too confusing. Right. Because there's the whole, and to use the terminology that they used in the filmmaking, Biff horrific 1985. Yes. And I think there is there is one bit where I think they do break their own rules slightly. Mm. Although maybe they don't because they leave Jennifer on the porch yes. asleep. Yeah, yeah. And then the world changes around her and she's okay, but I think she is actually protected because she is a time traveler because of kind although of? I guess it did, because Marty McFly, mm. once he's changed at the exact, you know, once he's changed things to mean that he isn't going to be born, it takes time for him to disappear, mm. and the world kind of change. Does the world change around him? I don't know. It that feels like it's a plot hole. It does, and that it, bit where they leave her on there. It does kind of beg the question: Why bother recasting if you're just going to stick her on a park bench? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's yeah. that, and which, and again, I think. With all of these things, right? That's okay. You could discuss these plot holes or these moments that happen in these films. It's totally fine. I don't think it completely ruins the film, but I think it is an interesting point to discuss. And as you say, it that leads to a another big sort of metaphysical <laughs> conversation of like, mm. well, what happened to her? <laughs> you know, <laughs> during all of that, did she wake up at some point in a dodgy neighborhood, and then did things change then, or did she just not wake up until things did change and? What does yeah. that look like? I, I'm with you. It's, yeah. a, it's a bit of an interesting one to try and work out. The other one is that um, so Biff, old Biff, manages to get back to 
2015. Yes. The same 2015 that he left mm. when potentially he should have gone to the 2015 of yeah. Biff Horrific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Biff Horrific 2015. The counterpoint to that is that in these films, it evidently takes some time for the change to ripple. Yeah. So evidently, you know, he leaves before Biff's placed the bet. So he mm. leaves at the same timeline. Yeah, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, you do have to kind of accept that, right? In in this kind of film, yeah. there's going to be those plot holy yes. elements. Yeah. But to its credit, that aside, I do like the fact that it has a very simple explanation for alternate universes. That whole sequence yes. where Doc and Marty do yeah. sort of do the timeline and he does the line. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's it's such a great way of explaining yeah. it to the audience and just. Well, I remember know. I remember reading that as a that was a critique of the film was that it's so confusing they have to stop the film to draw on a blackboard to explain to the audience what's going on. I was like, not and really. That was a critique, but then like, I mean, what is that critic making of like? Mm. Into the Spider Verse, Inception, like, oh, you know, poor, yeah, poor, yeah, <laughs> poor sod, yeah. It's just that you, you do have to explain these things, that's, and that's totally yeah. fine, yeah. And it's quite straightforward, um, yeah. And I think it, it works. Yeah, I think yeah, it works really well, and it gives them the reason that they have to go back, right? And they even sort of, you know, they hang the lantern on like, mm. why are we going back to exactly the same thing that we did before? And it's like, well, maybe it's an important point in space time. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just the doc. Kind yeah, oh well, yeah, I'm basically just cleaning up your mess. I'm not really sure yeah. at this point in time. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Anything? Why not? And again, some of the aesthetic of the future stuff and the alternate timeline universe—it's just great. Yeah. You know, again, Tom F. Wilson getting to play like three, four different versions of the same character—amazing! Yes. Like, yes. just and so much fun. And every single one is is completely unique and stands mm. on its own as well, which I think is brilliant. Mm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think, yeah, once you get into three, though, and they're sort mm. of ancestors, that's where it gets a little bit weird that mm. um, that, Mar that that Michael J. Fox is playing his mother's grandfather. Yeah, with I with think. a very ropey Irish accent, but, you know, we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. That's fine. Yes, we'll get but, to that. Oh, something um, I, yes. I do want to address, we're talking mm. about Michael J. Fox, because this is a, a point of contention that comes up with the kind of naysayers of the sequel, and I want to get your point mm. on this, is that some people say that they feel like Marty McFly's character changes in this movie. Like he gets very hot-headed and aggressive. I have a little Don't. counterpoint to this, but I want to hear what you have to say. Well, no one calls him chicken in the first film, so we don't see it. There it is. <laughs> you know. And, and the fact that, that as, as we mentioned before, his instincts, his first instinct mm. when he's confronted with a bully like Biff is to try and get into a fight with him, even though he's yeah. quite clearly physically outmatched, yes. speaks to his hot-headed nature. Yeah. So I kind of, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. sorry, that doesn't hold water to me. Yeah. Yeah. I th yeah. I think it, it, it's, that was the thing, again, with with watching it with my kids, they were a little bit like, what's, why is, what's this chicken thing all of a sudden? Mm. And it, it is... You can see that these two films are not as, you know, they've not been knocked back 44 times. And I suppose it's yes. that question, you know, the adv the adversity that that gave them the 
George McFly death mm-hmm. was not there in every element of the production. So there are like special effect shots that would have been cutting edge at the time, but mm. maybe they should have not had the budget to be able to do that because they don't look great now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they um, they had to invent uh, something that would be you know, a flaw in Marty's character because he doesn't really have that much of an apparent flaw in the first film. Mm. Yeah. He kind of does stuff by accident. Although, you know, he jumps into the, yeah, he jumps into the car to get away, really, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. In the first one. That's true. Yeah. So, again, I feel like, okay, you, you can argue maybe it was, it's a little bit more heightened, but I almost like, it was there, though. There was a glimmer of it. And as mm. you said, considering what the, they had to go through with the first one to get it made, it's, you can't expect it all to be perfectly tied in for a sequel that they weren't expecting to make. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I kind of gives them a nice little arc to go on, on the, across the two sequels to then try and figure mm. out. And, you know, again, it's it's sort of similar to the first one, right? You see a version of his history that you're like, oh, you need to fix this aspect of your personality. Yeah. And then you avoid, you know, being goaded into stupid things by the bass player from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You know, it's yes. like you can... Exactly. You can Needles. Make, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get to make smarter life decisions by not listening to Flea. Mm. So, you know. Because, yeah, that's the, th- that's the thing as well. He's the old, he goads older Marty McFly into doing that deal yeah. and losing his job. And it's the same guy that was at that point. It was the same guy that had broken his hand. Had yeah. Of course, you know, had done that race with him. Mm-hmm. And he broke his hand. <laughs> Yeah, and again, I like that. I like that a lot, mm. and I love the aesthetic as well of the second one. I think the future stuff's a lot of fun. You know, the self tying laces, the hoverboard, mm. the your jacket the is dry. Yeah, all that stuff that the, the mid mm. microwave pizzas, like all of those little elements. Oh, no one rehydrate, rehydrates a pizza like you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's great. It's great. And the goggles, the, the, yeah. the, those VR goggles that he's wearing in the multiple screens. Oh, we didn't have it in 2015, but we've almost got it now. Yeah, yeah, we've got those knocking around now. So it's some of the stuff is pretty good. I mean, we didn't quite mm. get 19 Jaws movies, but we, we've had plenty of shark films. We had at least yeah. three other Jaws sequels, so they're not that far off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deep Blue Sea and Megs 1 and 2. Yeah, exactly. Which I'm sure if you added a bunch of them up, the spiritual sequels, mm. you could quite easily reach 19 not a problem yeah definitely yeah but i love all of that and and the fact that it then leads into uh, i think this is one of the few films again reminds me of the matrix you know and that it has like a direct mm. sequel following mm. it less than a year later and the fact that this film written ends with a trailer written and shot back to back yes that's exciting right i mean you saw this yeah. in the cinema so what was that like for you sort of being like wait there's another one and this is what it's gonna th- look like i f- I can't remember if we knew or not going in, but okay. I was definitely not as a as a nine year old. I yeah. was not ready for the lack of resolution. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that is one of the things that people do have a problem with is the fact mm. that, it, that it doesn't have that much of a resolution mm. because it is basically re- leading up to the next film. But I don't know about you. I don't um, mind that. I mean, I just watched Across the Spider Verse. And that has the same thing. I've not thing. seen that yet, but I believe, yeah, I hear that it has a the similar level of yeah. not finished. And June part one. Also happens in Fast X. Oh, okay. Never never mind uh, that. But but I, I shan't. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean I was talking about this on the thing the other day. It's yeah, like, go on. F- f- that, that fast 
the arc of Fast and the Furious is so nuts because mm-hmm. I've only seen mm-hmm. the first one and I've only seen one and three. And for me to go back to them now is just like... Everybody says it and it's true. Just start from five. Yes. Yeah. But about like leaving a franchise and they, like just mm. as a viewer, leaving a franchise and then coming back to it, it's like James Bond starting off as yeah. like, I don't know, just like, he's not even a spy. He's just like, it's just like some guy. Yeah, he's a volunteer, a volunteer policeman or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then by the and then yeah. Anyway, um, it's true. <laughs> it's very true. But yeah, we're talking about yeah the cliffhanger, mm-hmm. the cliffhanger ending. It is. It is, and it isn't. Yeah, I really, uh, really, really do rate Back to the Future Two mm. um, as a film. It, it would. More often than not, if we're casting around to watch a Back to the Future film, that would be the one I would put on. Okay, maybe it's because I know one so well because yes. it was ingrained in my childhood. So, did you get to see the trailer then for Part Three in the cinema? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were like, I was like to my parents, like, so we're coming back to the cinema yep. then? Yep. Because <laughs> and I th- um, are we getting on to three now? Go for should it. We get, should we go there? Go for so, it. So at the time. I really loved it because it was Cowboys. Yeah. But in later, when I became a teen teen or grown up and I put away childish cowboy things, mm-hmm. I I like it less and less. And I think it's okay. in part because the focus shifts to be a sort of a more of a straight romance story with the doc. Yeah. That's and fair. Clara. And you just, yeah, I don't know. Also, sort of learning more about like Michael J. Fox, his actual life and and you know his Parkinson's and stuff, and the fact right. that he was nearly actually hanged in the hanging scene. Oh that yeah, that that adds a a very dark dark tint to that scene. Yeah. I, I agree. Every time I see that now, I'm like, oh yeah, that that actually happened. Like, yeah. Oh dear. I'm not saying that there was anything to do with him later developing Parkinson's, but it's just no. a bit of a like a, oh yeah, that's no good. Um, mm. there's some int- I mean the major thing again watching it with my kids they they loved it and it they were mm. almost and the worry for us as parents is that that would become their favourite and we would have to keep watching it <laughs> as for a short time Jurassic Park 3 became their favourite oh they, I mean I can't be mad at them because I saw that in the cinema and loved it and I'm sure my parents were sick to death of me putting on the sequels as much as i did mm. as a child and that's the thing right I, I can totally see that being the case for a movie like this but i'm guessing they haven't picked graft uh grabbed on to uh to this one then they they did they did to some extent they liked uh, the, one of the things they like is kind of how a lot of the the jokes pay off kind of thing so uh-huh. in the first film um uh something will happen i can't re- i was trying to wrap my brain for a really good example of this earlier and i can't think of anything that's okay but like um uh, a thing will happen in the first film it will be repeated in the second film and then it's subverted in the third film so it has uh, that sort of three point arc um, yeah but yeah I can't mm. well, I guess like the bulletproof vest yeah that's, that's a thread yes. in, in all three right you get it with Doc and then you get the reference yeah. it to the film bulletproof vest and then the yeah. third one you know Marty's got one yeah yeah yeah, yeah, you get yeah. That's a good point. Um, uh, and I, th- I just, I think they liked it because it had that closure at the mm. end and everything as well. And and I do appreciate that. But then yeah. there is an even bigger plot hole in this one that mm-hmm. 
I really, really realized on a, on the, my most recent watch of it, which is they just siphon the fuel out of the DeLorean that's in the cave that the dock came back in, the petrol. Because the, the problem is yes. they haven't got petrol to drive the car. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The car that Marty McFly travels back with. Yeah. Get and hide, gets um, the fuel line severed. Yes. Petrol's not going to exist for another 50 years. Mm-hmm. They try and use other things like strong, strong alcohol that blows out the engine yeah. and various other things, dragging it by a horse and stuff. Yeah. But all the time, the car that the dock uh, inadvertently ended up uh, in 1885 with mm-hmm. is in, a, well, in a cave yeah, presumably that's yeah. in the cave that he well, buries it. Yeah. They don't need the petrol because they can get petrol in the 50s. Yeah. That's hmm. that's a good point. That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. They just need that petrol out of that car. They've got pe- they've got a presumably, you know, enough to get up to 88. Yeah. They wouldn't have a flat road, to be fair. Mm. They don't have a flat road, but they could combine it with the train idea and pop it on the train tracks. Good point. Very good point, but then we wouldn't get a fun train heist at the end. But then we wouldn't get the train heist. But then we would we still end up with the DeLorean getting smashed into smithereens, which I think is the saddest bit Mm. of all of the films. It it is, isn't it? Because it's it's such an iconic car, and it's such a massive Mm. part of again what makes this series of films so great, right? And I think Mm. you're right. There is something very tragic about that mm. um yeah yeah it is a shame and and a, mm. a cgi flying train isn't quite a replacement is it it's not it's not it's a cool good. idea it's, it's a cool idea yeah. but it's it's yeah. not as good yeah um so and, and i i think that's the thing about the film there's a lot i mean i can i can't really remember many of the lines from this one mm. it's not it doesn't have as much of the magic as as, as the other two for me. Yeah. I'm still going to watch it. Oh, ab- absolutely. I'm kind of with you. Like, for me, I always say that this is a great trilogy of films. Mm. You can have a debate about which one's, you know, the best or the worst, whatever. Personally, I don't enjoy those kind of conversations anymore. I'm very much just mm. like, enjoy them for what they are, you yeah. know. And as as a series of films, they're just fun. And I love that mm. you're passing on to your kids because that's the experience that I had growing up and that it sounds like you had, you know, as yourself. Yeah. And like, that's something I love about these movies is they have that multi-generational appeal. That yeah. at some point, I think that's like a dream of a lot of parents to sit their kids down and be like, okay, you're going to have your tiny minds blown. Let's just yes, watch exactly. this. <laughs> and it was a real, a real, um, you know, it's a dangerous moment because mm. if they don't like, and you can't make them like a thing just because you like a thing. I had a similar thing like- with my wife who had never seen these before. And, oh, it, yeah. and it was a contentious point in our in our relationship. I won't lie; it was a moment of like this could go either way. Yeah. Um, but you know, she loves them. You're referring to her as your wife, yes. Rather than I mean, your ex-wife, exactly. So I'm so it, it, went, it well. went well. Yes, yeah. We're we're still here. We're still all right. Nice. Um, she wasn't erased from existence. No, no, I didn't have to Good. run to my DeLorean and you know make a few <laughs> changes. <laughs> of course not. But yeah, it is. It is that moment, and and like you say, it's it's one that seems universal. You know, I know lots of people that have had that experience and I love that. And again, it's like that to me gets, that's exciting. That's like, that to me is a mark of a truly great film or series of films. Mm. If it has that multi-generational or like, you know, familial aspect to it, right? Where you get to 
make things you know, get to share it with somebody and go yes. like check this out and then they love yeah, it and yeah, then yeah, they yeah. pass it on and it's you know it's one that I make, basically makes me think that these will continue to have that as time goes mm. on and the the sort of the the uh, the caveat that um robert zemeckis has he mm-hmm. still owns the rights to it yes and mm-hmm. basically in his lifetime they are not going to get rebooted and i hopefully they never will because it's just why you yeah. know it's like i mean it's like they can, jaws mm. it's like jurassic park it's like all these things it's like just leave it alone mm. just it's done yeah. the whole point yeah. of making it in a film is that it's you've captured the moment yeah so just experience it for what it is. Why does yeah, it? Why yeah. does this film need to be remade? I can't. I don't know about you. I can't think of a a setting or a reason for it to exist as a reboot or a remake. I just don't understand if, why. Oh God! I've just realised if we if it was to be oh, redone right now, okay, um, he'd be going back and it'd be like, what's this TV show, Friends? No, it'd be, yeah, it's pre-Friends. Oh, but- it's like what's this Premier League that everyone's talking about? Yeah, just, yeah. What what would he invent? TikTok? Bucket hats. Know. Yeah, bucket. Oh, oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> and baggy music. Yeah. He would invent Madchester. He would invent Facebook or something, uh, yeah, or something like that. It would just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing, as we're sat here just like <laughs> pitching these ideas, you just, you do cringe and you do think, oh no, just leave it alone. Just don't. I wanted to... To the sort of the the people who were who would have experienced both the both the fifties and the eighties, it felt like such a big difference because mm. to me, the mid nineties is something that I do remember, and yeah. I cannot, you know, I can't. I suppose it would just be all about computers and social media and mm. that sort of stuff, and the, the you know. The inability. Maybe he invents, you know, Britpop or something, you know. And yeah, yeah, he wants to. <laughs> I don't know. He wants to Google something. It's like yeah. there's not going to be a Google around here for six years. <laughs> there's not going to be a BlackBerry smartphone. <laughs> yeah, and instead of uh, Chuck Berry's Johnny Be Good, it'll be Wonderwall. Mm. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, no, it's your cousin Marvin. Yeah, Marvin Gallagher. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know that. You know that you sound you're looking for. We'll get a load of this and he just yeah. plays the Beatles. He just plays the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 now we love Oasis. It's fine. It's been a topic of this this podcast. Well, um, rib, rib, riffing on Oasis. Um, yeah, more than they do. Yeah, um, yes, that's true. We we've talked about yeah. it. Yes. Anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a fascinating one to look at, as you said. And I mean, and quite a departure as well, in fairness, as a setting to go from mm. the fifties to the eighties to the future to then the West. Yeah, that's, the old West. That's quite like, oh, okay. It's not in the thirty. Um, uh, oh, what's it called? You know, it's not in the in the because everything else is thirty years. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit annoying that it's hundred years. But then, not if, 90 if you go back from the, what nineteen 1950- fifty. 55 to what would that be 25 25? Wait, prohibition era kind of yeah gangsters yeah. and stuff that could have been quite interesting yeah yeah and then previously i suppose it'd be in 1895 which as far as i know is exactly the same as 1885 because yeah, i guess it's just the past now yeah it's just the olden times 
the big question my kids had, and I've not found an answer for this, and if anyone okay. does know yeah, yeah. or can know. So, oh, the, this was the joke that they loved, the manure joke. Yes. That goes all course. the way through. Yes. And, and they hate manure. Imagine that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who would have thought? Um, why in 1885 is the manure green? That's a good question. Um, but yeah, um, all as a family, we're like, yeah, why is that? And we've tried to, we've done it cursory Googles mm-hmm. and yeah, no idea. Nothing. Well, if there's any, if anyone knows. any farmers out there listening and you do know, seriously, message us. I'm, I'm also curious to know the answer to that question, if there is indeed one. Any time traveling farmers as well. Yes. To also, you've probably messaged us already. Yes. Hang on. I'll just check my emails. Hmm. Nope. nope, nothing. I'm just going to assume that didn't happen then. Okay. They don't listen. No. They'll never listen to it. No. They probably don't know what a podcast is. No, not at all. Not at all. No. Too... I'm trying to think of some farming related joking, <laughs> but it's more fishing, I guess. Yeah, I was drawing a blank. Never mind. That's cool. We can move on. We can move on. Um, mm. Yeah, in terms of like wrapping it up as well, though, I think it does an all right job. I, I kind of know what you mean. I think that the, the criticism of. It becomes a love story for Doc Brown. I don't hate that. I think mm. it is a bit kind of flat and a bit sort of like, where is this going? But mm. I mean, the chemistry between Chris Floyd and Mary um, Steinberg, Steinberg as Clara mm. is, it's good. You know, it's believable. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 fine. Yeah. But it's yes. not got the, the, the pizzazz. Yeah. And the ZZ Top, ZZ Top, for your English listeners. Yes. Uh, Bit of a strange that is reference. No Huey Lewis and the News um, cameo, is it? That's, That's true. No, you're just too darn loud. It's like, this is a bit long, mate, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And he invents Frisbees or something. Yes, that's right. It's yeah. not quite... It's not as good as inventing skateboarding. I guess not. But then you get the uh, the shooting game payoff as well, quite like that. That's a nice little payoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Little things like that are kind of fun. Mm. You know, I enjoy the uh, the bit. I think also the clothes, though, are more annoying. Because okay. I know he's supposed to look stupid. Yes. But, you know, you've got the the puffer jacket. That he, Marty McFly's, all of Marty McFly's outfits in Back to the Future 1 mm-hmm. are fantastic. Yes. Back to the Future 2, the incognito look, mm-hmm. the future clothes. Yeah. Both lovely. This one... He is made to look. He's meant to look foolish. Yeah. In, that, in those, he's got red trousers. Oh, yeah. Which is an English person is, well, it's they're two two long red flags. Yes. Um. Yeah. Exactly. And this, you know, the the silly. Although it's quite a cool design with the sort of the um, futuristic cowboy shirt, like the yeah. the um, pattern on it is like atoms and stuff, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. I think it's like a right. nucleus. Which is all right. I mean, I also like, I enjoy the the fact that he then gets to dress up as Clint Eastwood. That's pretty you know, cool. Yeah. And goes by the name Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood yeah. as well. Like, that's a nice little touch. Mm. Quite enjoy that. He gets the poncho, he gets the hat, he does the, is it the man with no name? Is the, uh, I think what they're referencing there. Yes. Yeah. That's the character. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. And a, it's, yeah. Fistful of dollars, isn't it? They're watching, or is it, it might be Good, Bad, and the Ugly? Uh, I will probably put that in here. It was a fistful of dollars. Oh. Oh, go on. No, that was my reaction. Oh, it's your re- <laughs> I was going to do a correction corner, but I don't know. I might have to come up with something new. 
Um, uh, it's a correction octagon at the minute. Sorry about that. You're fine. I'm, I'm always adding segments to this podcast. Anywho, uh, yeah, I'm just sort of having a quick look through it as well. I mean, again, it, I feel like the ending kind of invokes the first film as well. Like, you know, the fact mm. that it's time sensitive, they have to do a thing to get the DeLorean to work properly. Mm. And it's, they've got one it's shot got- and it's, you know, it's, it's good for that. It's got the cool, like, it does have that sort of um, four-dimensional space thing of yes. uh, it being on the thing. And the, the, um, the, uh, the model making by the dock comes back in. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah Which yeah. is a lovely, uh, which again was appreciated, you know. Mm. It's not to scale and you didn't have time to paint it, but... <laughs> lovely it works but yeah the four-dimensional thing of the bridge being there in the future mm-hmm. is really nice yeah i couldn't agree more something i would i do want to mention as well before we kind of close out is another aspect of this film which i can't believe we haven't discussed yet but it's the score <sighs> yes you know again and this oh yeah an, another aspect i think of a timeless film mm. is if when you say the title you immediately think of the main theme mm. Mm. Really, really hard to do, but it, I think yeah, it, incredible. On on my first iPod, I had I would regularly just listen to the soundtrack album mm-hmm. of this. It yeah yeah, and it just the the bits the tense music, the bit where you can see the, the bit that's playing when you see through Marty's hand. Yes, it just, I, it speeds up a commute, mm-hmm. just gets you going, gets you to places. I bet. Oh, yeah, I mean, Alan Silvestri did an amazing job with that for sure. Mm. You know, it definitely has that instantly recognizable hook. And even I love like the little, um, the chimes, you know, that little diddly diddly, like, yes, like, that's, an, oh, that, what's, that's another, it's got the bit of the Goonies, a Goonies, it sounds yes, almost Goonies esque, that bit. Yeah. But it's that little bit of like mystery and wonder, and like, oh, what's mm. this? You know, and like just little details like mm. that that he throws in, and then just, yeah. Fun fact, um, got the organist to play it at my wedding. Oh, brilliant. The Back to the Future theme, yeah. I love that. That's so cool. That is so mm. cool. I take it your wife was okay with that. Yeah, no. She's, <laughs> yeah, she's also, as I say, she's also a massive fan. Good, um, good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Absolutely love that. Plugging anything in is is just makes me think of Back to the Future. Yeah, I'm just the dock in it mm-hmm. always. Yeah, if you're adding an extension lead, yeah, you have to slam it together. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and then fall over. Yeah, that yes. can be that can be disruptive if your job uh, is in event tech. Um, yes, that's <laughs> true. Uh, uh, t- t- tipping any tin cans of anything down the sink is mm-hmm. end of Back to the Future one. It's just yep. I can't not not do not also chuck a banana peel down afterwards. Yep. 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 Uh, Mr. Fusion, I believe, crops up in uh, Blade Runner. Is that right? That's one of my. Is it Blade Runner? Or is it Alien? Is Alien one of my favourite movies? Both are, so I should know that. There's something out of Blade Runner in Back to the Future, and there is, Alien. It comes up with. Is it? Yeah, Alien. Mr. Fusion's on the table. He is. The, yes. In the John Hurt scene. There it is. John Hurt's got a frog in his throat scene. Yes, that's remarkable. I think I did know that, but thank you for reminding me because that is, yeah, that's brilliant. Absolutely love that. Mm. Awesome. I mean, there's, a, I'm sure there's a million 
a million other bits of trivia that I can't remember right now. Oh, anytime go down a tunnel. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I'm looking at the sides thinking, could I skateboard? Yeah. <laughs> hoverboard over this? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Many a car journey as a kid looking out the window yeah. during tunnels going, yeah, could I do that? You could probably. It seems a bit far. Um, the <laughs> Another bit sort of just to t- to go back to the, go bit with the, Chris, the bit where Crispin Glover, as George McFly is sneering at his own son, the interplay mm. between old Biff and... Young Biff in Back to the Future 2 is really like is quite deep when you realize that is Biff hates himself yes. as a young person. And that is what in part potentially why he's a such a nasty person. Yeah. Is because he did he just dislikes himself. Yeah. It's a bit too hippie for you, but your kids are gonna love it. No, not <laughs> not at all. Not at all. We love a bit of deep chat here as well. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on. And again, I guess it speaks to the satire a bit, right? That mm. the whole folly of him and of of Marty McFly is they both think that having lots of money will solve all their problems. Yes. So, yes. Good point. Yeah. So it's all connected. It's all connected, mm. folks. Um, mm. So I want to ask James: Was there anything else you wanted to to bring up? I mean, we've gone all over the place with this, and I've loved it, and they've given me so many amazing bits of trivia but was there anything else on your mind oh i mean i'm gonna probably remember everything as soon as we finish this call so i might just <laughs> need to, to send you a series of voice notes you can if you that, want and i can add them in at the end i i would not oppose to like, that yeah on the night that we record the podcast <laughs> what is this yeah. it's about the future isn't it yeah i mean earth angel as a song yes also in superman Two, I gotta say, around the same time. It's time to Google once more. Superman three, is it comes up on my Google? Superman three soundtrack, uh, Earth Angel. Yes, firm enough. There you go. Okay, okay, Uh, I'll go then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, just in case people thought Uh. we didn't know. Um, it's it's uh, Frodo in the it's Frodo in the um, in the cafe eighties in Back to the Future Two. Who wants to play the game? You know what's his name, Frodo? Oh, right, right, Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, no, yes, Elijah Woods. Lord of the Rings. Elijah Woods. Elijah yes. Woods. The young yes. Elijah Woods. And isn't like um, Shire the Beef in it as well? You could be right. I think it might be. There's another random cameo, but an even younger kid, Billy Zane, of course. Yes. Yes. Dreadful Billy Zane from Titanic. So much Googling. Might have to put in the uh, the, the theme a few times. I fear this is too much Googling. Huey Lewis, Billy Zane, adorable Elijah Wood. Yeah, I'm just having a look flee. Eddie Van Halen. Yes. Okay. Van so Halen. I know this one. Eddie Van Halen. Ooh. Right. So here's a here's a fun tidbit for you. I remember this Go from on. doing research on the first film, and this blew my mind as a huge Van Halen fan. Um, so in that scene where Marty plays the music and is dressed up, you know, mm-hmm. and, and doing all of that and scaring his dad, on the tape that he puts in, it says yes. Eddie Van Halen, and it's just a yes. series of crazy guitar noises. Yes. That was unique to this film. No. Yeah, because uh, they approached 
Van Ellie Van Halen about using us a, a song in the movie. Yeah. But because I think of all the issues around it, it was a bit like, oh, I'm not sure. And that they were very they're very protective of their legacy anyway. And mm. so in the end, Eddie Van Halen, as a favor to one of the producers, said, look, I, I, we're not comfortable with you using a Van Halen song, but why don't I just mess around for a couple minutes in the studio, make some noises for you, and then you can just use that in the movie. Hence why it says on the tape, Eddie Van Halen instead of Van Halen. <sighs> so that is a unique soundbite from Eddie Van Halen for this Oof. movie. There you go. Boom. Oh, that is lovely. <laughs> That is first class. Thank you very much. No worries. I'm glad I, I didn't forget that because I would have been listening back to the edit and it would have come up in my memory and I would have screamed at myself. Um, or I just would have added it in as another bit of correction. Anyway, we're all good. It's all good. Mm. But yes, so much to discuss, man. So much, James. And I, I've loved this, mate, as as a topic uh, that... Oh, uh, and also there was a cartoon series. There was a cartoon series. That's, that's all we need to know. We don't need to worry about that. That's fine. Yeah. But no, seriously, thank you so much because... Yeah, it's a topic that I've loved for a long time and I have been thinking about it. And when you, as soon as you brought it up, I find myself just mm. quickly looking through my episodes going, have I done that? I could have sworn I've done that. Nope. Brilliant. It's on. So uh, thank you wonderful. so much for, for doing that. Well, uh, I'll have to come back for all the things that I've forgotten. We can do a part but, two or a bonus episode. Yeah. That's absolutely fine. I suppose it would be very fitting to Back to the Future if we did a part two where mm -hmm. we just played elements of the first episode and i corrected myself yes yeah for example shire the buff is not in it okay there we go there's one there's one that'll be a bit of fun to edit but i'm sure we can make it happen mm. well thank you so much james i guess uh, to take us home i'd love to hand it over to you where can the good people find you um well i am the co-host of lawmen podcast which is a funny podcast about folklore which has more back to the future references nice. than most people will admit um <laughs> and um yeah i do that with alistair beckett king who is a youtuber actually his most recent video is a big takedown of the back to the future concept which mm. uh is very funny actually it's really good you should check it out i will i will put links to all of that but yeah lawman is a really fun podcast to listen to i was checking some out today lawmen lawmen, oh, lawmen. Plural. sorry plural. you are correct yes. my bad yes yeah, so law that's totally fine yeah lawman is a really really interesting podcast i gotta say the, the idea of going through sort of bizarre folklore and just yeah. kind of making it's, with like her, the, it's, it's fascinating the weird little things that only people in your from your town know yeah about your town but i love that um, genuinely it's it's really fun to listen to Oh, thanks very much. No worries, no worries. What are you? You're Gloucester, are you? I am Gloucester. Yeah. Have you done many Gloucester? We've topics? done Gloucestershire, but we've not done the mm. Gloucester itself. Okay. I don't think we've done a couple of Bristol's. Yes. And that, and, I've heard a few yeah, of those. I'm, I'm going to have to do some digging there. Maybe I'll send some your way, and you guys can Ooh. have a little sift through. Yeah, always happy to be introduced to a pamphlet. Mm, yeah, I'll, I'll ask around town. I'm sure there's there's a lot of weird stuff here that I can find quite quickly. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, thank you ever so much, James. I'll put the links in, well, in the show me. notes. And yeah, all it's left to say is just thank you for coming on. Nice one. Thank you. And there we have it. What an absolute delight James was. Make sure you go and check out the Lawmen podcast. It really is spectacular. It's a recent discovery of mine thanks to a live show that I attended with uh, Dave Wanaki and Matt Stewart of Do Go On, a former guest of this podcast. I, I know I've said it before. I just like saying it because makes me feel good but yeah genuinely james 
I thought he was hilarious when I first saw him on the stage, checked out the podcast, thought it was fantastic, and here we are. What a guest, what a topic to return with. I am just so, so happy that that happened, and I hope you guys listening really enjoyed the episode as well, as well as all my nonsense that I've been putting into the podcast with jingles and the like. I'm trying to have a bit more fun with it, make it a bit more of a pleasurable experience for you guys, so please feel free to give me any feedback that you have on that. I've left links in the show notes for you to go and do so. You can reach me via email, Instagram, threads now, apparently, uh, Discord, and Twitter. Yes, I said Twitter because I refuse to call it X because that's stupid. Anyway, you can reach me on all of those platforms, as well as James. I've made sure to put links in the show notes where you can go and let him know what you thought of this very episode. Give him a follow. Check out the podcast. As I said, it really is a wonderful listen. And I've also put in the link to his co-host video on time travel on YouTube. It's very funny, I must admit. So that's in there for you to go and check out as well. As I said at the top of the episode, I've had the privilege of doing a number of guest spots for some reason during my break. I guess people aren't completely sick of my voice, but in any case, I'm very grateful for the privilege and I'm going to shout out one a week as I return. The first one I'm going to kick off with is with the last guest that I had on the podcast, which is, of course, Nick from the Nickflix podcast. He was kind enough to have me on to talk about a couple of my favorite movies. That is, of course, School of Rock and Spinal Tap. I've left links in the show notes so you can go and check those out and give the guy some love. So make sure you go and do that as well. If you have indeed enjoyed the episode and you want to help out the podcast, just do a few simple things for me. The first and foremost is just tell somebody. I honestly don't mind how you go about doing that. If you want to do it via social media, whichever platform you're on, if you want to do it on your travels through a time-traveling DeLorean, then feel free to do so. Although if you're in the past, I don't know how helpful that will be, but still, I'll appreciate it. And I'll also appreciate it if you went and left me a lovely five-star review on your favorite podcatcher. I really don't mind which one, uh, just make sure you let me know because I want to give you a massive thank you on the next episode of the podcast. And there is, of course, links to all the financial ways that you can contribute to the podcast. There's zero obligation, but they're there. They include merchandise featuring the wonderful artwork by Alex Jenkins and a coffee or Kofi page to donate to the podcast directly. Right, that's enough from me. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode featuring a brand new guest and another iconic series of films. So make sure you are here for that. Until then, take good care, have a good week, and I will see you then. He's nice. What's Christopher Lloyd like? Kind of quiet. What's Crispin Glover like? Unusual. Stop asking me the question. I went to the bar mitzvah of my nephew Josh. Now I'm not Jewish, but I like to nosh. Put on my yarmulke, started to pray. When the rabbi leaned over and I heard him say, Hey, was that real manure? No, it wasn't. How was that DeLorean? of garbage. Do those hoverboards really fly? It's a movie. Stop asking me the question. Can we take your
your picture. Come on, look mean. Would you call my friend a butthead on his answering machine? Questions, questions fill my head. I went to my doctor, my doctor said, what does a key grip do? Set up lights. What does the best boy do? Help the key grip. What does a producer do? I don't know. Stop asking me the question. Do you all hang out together? No, we don't. How's Crispin Glover? I never talked to him. Back to the future for not happening. Stop asking me the question. Hey, who's the nicest famous guy? You know Adam Sandler. Who is the biggest jerk? Gary Busey. How much money do you make more than you do? So stop asking me the question.